Well, hey, you're listening to the Resonate Church Monmouth Sermons Podcast. Whether you're a part of the Resonate family or you're just a friend of ours tuning in, we're so glad that you're here. We are a church here in Monmouth, Oregon that exists for the college campus and our broader community. So if you'd like to learn more or get further connected, head over to resonate.net slash Monmouth. Otherwise, hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, for this summer, for those that maybe you haven't been here or to kind of catch us up, oh, this summer we've been walking through this sermon series called The Story of God. And our aim has been to walk through the entire Bible and walk through many of the narratives we see in some of the biggest moments and stories. And while, yes, we do want to learn uh, and work through some of the stories and people and, and learn about these people in this book, the root of this series is to highlight and point back to the majesty of God. This entire book and the rest of eternity is to point to his goodness and his glory. Our aim isn't to just give us some more knowledge, again, just learn some things, but the point is to stir our affections for God and turn us to worship who he is as he reveals himself to us. And so far, uh, if you've been with us this summer, you've been in and out, uh, we've been camping out in the first few pages. (laughs) We've been in the first book of Genesis for a while now. Uh, And we're about a little over halfway through the series. And yeah, as you look at your Bible, look at your copy of scripture, you can probably see uh, there's a lot left to cover in the next like four or five weeks of this series of this summer. And so today we are moving forward. We're moving forward out of Genesis. Uh, So if you guys have your copy of scripture, whether digital or you have it, uh, uh, your physical copy, I invite you to open it all the way to the next book. The next book, we are moving just a few pages from Genesis, making some progress. We're making some progress this summer into the book of Exodus. So yeah, this morning we'll be landing in the book of Exodus. You guys can go ahead and turn there specifically to chapter 3. So Exodus chapter 3 is where we will be at this morning. And so as you're turning there, I want to briefly just kind of catch us up to what has been happening thus far in Moses' life and in these first two chapters of Exodus. Uh, So for several centuries, the people of Israel, who are God's chosen people, have lived as aliens in Egypt. And for a long time, they've been treated as slaves. Now the time of God's deliverance is drawing near. They have been in suffering and slavery, but something is coming. A Jewish child is born by the name of Moses. And Moses is rescued from the edict of death uh, from Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter and is raised in the courts. And as an adult, uh, he sees an Israelite being oppressed, uh, a slave being oppressed, and he moves to some action. He ends up killing an Egyptian. Pharaoh hears of this and orders uh, for Moses to be caught and killed for his actions. And so (laughs) Moses gets the heck out of Dodge. He flees. He flees from Egypt and goes to the land of Midian. And along the way, he meets a woman named Zipporah, and they get married, and they have a son named Gershom. So some time has gone on, years have gone on, and the Israelites are still enslaved and in pain. They've been enslaved in pain for years, for decades, and God hears their pains and cries for rescue, and again, he is putting into motion their freedom. So Exodus 3 is where we're spending our time this morning. So picking up in Exodus uh, chapter 3, to kind of set the context, Moses is out tending to some sheep in this uh, chapter. 
So picking up in verse 2. I'm going to be reading a lot. So starting in verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cries because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prizalites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Probably pronounced most of those wrong. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And we move into verse 11. We're going to spend most of our time focusing on 11 through 15. So verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Whole lot of text. Just blaze through that a little bit. Again, we're focusing on verses 11 through 15 this morning. So as we see, uh, Moses, he's here, he's standing before God and faced with an enormous task. That's just a dude. That's just some guy, a murderer even, just a dude, a normal human being taking care of some sheep. And Moses kind of recognizes this reality. He recognizes who he is. But Moses is chosen by God to lead God's people out of slavery into the promised land. And again, what does Moses do? Uh, He sees who he is, a simple and weak human. He sees a huge gap between who he is and the wisdom and power required for this task. And he shrinks back into some doubt. As I would as well, most likely, and I'm sure many of us would as well. See it in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Even looking further on in their uh, interaction, in chapter 4, verse 10, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. I'm not good at talking, and you're telling me to go talk to these people. It's incredibly real, right? This moment is real. Of course, you and I probably have never, might never face a burning, but also not burning bush uh, with God speaking from it, but we can kind of feel what Moses is feeling in this moment. 
We can kind of relate to him in, in being faced with a path that seems incredibly daunting. Oftentimes we say, God, I see what you want in me and where you're leading me, but I can't. God, who am I to do this? We are confronted with these responsibilities, and this sends us into spirals of doubt. Looking back in chapter 3, verse 12, God responds to Moses saying, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. All right, pretty comforting response, right? Like, okay, that that's probably gave some comfort to Moses a little bit, of course, as we read on in the interaction. Still a lot of uh, hesitancy. But what does this mean? What does this response mean? Looking further again, verses 13 through 15. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God speaks one of the most important things he has ever said and will ever say. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And what a response. There's a lot of power if we see it within these words. And do we see this today? Do we see this power? This isn't just some motivational and uplifting speech that God is giving to Moses. He's not just trying to motivate him. Not just trying to motivate us. This should be moving and convicting to our hearts even today as we sit here. Above any motivation given, God is revealing himself to Moses. God's revealing who he is to Moses and revealing who he is to us. Look at what God says at the end, that last line. This is my name forever. Thus I'm to be remembered throughout all generations. My names, my name will be remembered throughout all generations. We're part of all of those generations. And so like we've said, our purpose for this series is to highlight who God is and how he has restored humanity through Jesus. So looking at all these verses, what does God reveal about himself? Because God is revealing something. We just got to dig in a little bit. What is God revealing? I brought just three things uh, that God is revealing to us and telling us who he is. And of course, uh, with this kind of subject and and this kind of um, matter, there's a lot to dive into this. Don't have a lot of time, but we're going to scratch the surface a little bit of who God is revealing himself to be. So three things. The first, God reveals that God is, that he is. Before God reveals to Moses his name, he reveals to Moses what he is. God says, I am who I am. God is saying to Moses, before you worry about my name or sharing it with others or giving a response to them, be in awe of this fact. I am. Before you get his name, Understand and see his being. God is. He is first. He is foundational. He is of infinite importance. And of course, there's so much more to dive in with this specific aspect. But today, would we be in awe of who God is, that he is? All you see, he is in all things. And second, God reveals his power. He is showcasing his power. Verse 14, say this to the people, I am has sent me to you. It's a command, say this to these people. 
God is speaking with a lot of authority in this moment. If we see kind of the tone, there's a lot of authority that he is speaking with, saying, I know what I'm doing. I know what I understand. I, I know what I am promising. There's power within God and his words. The God overall, the creator, the king, the one whose name carries the most power and authority. He is the one who is leading and guiding. He is the one whom I'm relying on as he has called and he will deliver on his word. The name of God carries power. And so would we today sit in humility and awe under who he is and the great power that he contains. And God is saying, don't worry about your name or your power. First, lean into mine. That moves us into the name. God finally reveals a name. Verse 15, God reveals that he is Lord. He is Lord. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name. This is my name forever. Most of our copies in the English language should have the word, the name, Lord, in all caps. All caps, Lord. This is like a proper name. This is who God is. God reveals to Moses his name. He is Lord Lord over all the heavens and the earth. He is the one in control, the one who has put into motion the world and rules with rightful authority and judgment. His word is and will be final. And so if the Lord, all caps, Lord, has said it, it will be done. There is no other authority outside of him. God reveals his name, Lord his name forever, no matter what gods us small, weak humans try and make up to replace him, none can compare to and overthrow the Lord, all caps. So just as this shook Moses, and would this, would the name of the Lord stir something within us as well? The power within his name, within who he is, should lead us to worship and awe of him. And in thus, we understand and grasp the power of his name and who he is. This should lead us to boldness in where he leads us to. Looking back at Moses and his encounter, and even looking at our own lives and where we're at or where we're heading, and Moses is stuck in doubt of who he is, doubtful that he can live up to this task set before him. There's this responsibility being set before him, and as he looks within himself, he freezes. He sees this gap in who he is. And how we do the same. God, who am I? Who am I to do this or that? Maybe some big moments uh, where we may say this in our lives. Who am I to become a parent? Who am I to lead a village? Who am I to start this new job? Who am I to be a husband or a wife? Who am I to go on a church plant or move to a different country? Who am I to blank? You can fill in that responsibility for yourself, those big moments where you live in doubt. But we also face these doubts and these questions in the midst of seemingly small, daily moments in our lives. Maybe the things that uh, we don't say out loud or think necessarily, but they're kind of like subconsciously in how we act. 
Who am I to share the gospel with a classmate? Who am I to invite a coworker to village? Who am I to pray in front of others? Who am I to go on a short-term trip? Who am I to stand up and say no to the ways of culture? Who am I? Again, maybe we don't say it, but oftentimes that's how we live, how we view ourselves. But with this, if we're honest today, I think there's some, there's some validity in this. These, these questions can be valid. Like asking these questions can be valid because there really is a gap in who we are and the responsibilities that God sets before us. If we're being brutally honest, there is a responsibility between who we are, no matter how prideful or high we think of ourselves. There is truthfully a gap between who we are and the responsibilities that lay before us. I am weak. I am sinful. I am finite. I am broken. I am selfish. I am not the smartest. I am small. It can be good to face these hard realities and to face these gaps. God does desire us to repent and to recognize our weakness and walk in humility. But with these questions, with these thoughts, I think we can often go too far with them. And we make these our identities. This question of who am I becomes our identity. And God, do, God does not desire us to shrink back into doubt and to hide and walk through this life in hesitancy. And why would God invite Moses into this great task if Moses is this weak and sinful man that has all these doubts? I can't even talk. Why would God invite him into this? What does God do? What do we see God do? He gives us himself. He gives us himself. He reveals who he is. He gives Moses himself. He reveals to Moses who he is. That's the solution. God says throughout the Bible to Moses, to us, yes, my child, you are small. You are small and you have weaknesses. You are broken, but I am with you. But I am with you. And to jump ahead in the Bible a little bit, Psalm 139.7, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? As we look forward to Jesus, John 14, 16 through 17, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Matthew 28, 20, we know this one well. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 8, 38 through 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God with us. We can go on and on throughout scripture seeing God saying, I am with you. Allow me to give you rest, to give you power, to carry you. Looking further into Moses' encounter, again in chapter 4, verse 13. Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses, yeah, you're not good at talking. You're not eloquent, but I am the one speaking for you. I will be your words. I will be moving in and through you. And family, God did not desert us in our weakness and brokenness. He does not leave us to just scrape through this life on our own, nor does God make us clean ourselves up and try and climb this ladder to him, try and climb some ladder of holiness. 
And God has come to us. God, the one who created us, also sustains and carries us. In his sovereignty, he knows what our futures hold. He knows what responsibilities lie ahead of us because he's the one leading us into those. He knows our weaknesses and doubts, yet he came down to us in Jesus and made a way for us to have access to him through him alone. When Moses questioned himself, God didn't change his mind and move to someone else. He knew the weakness in Moses and reminded him that what is about to happen isn't about what Moses can do and who Moses is. It's about what what God can do and what God will do. God has just invited some broken dude named Moses into his great plan to rescue his people. God has invited him in, has invited us in. God doesn't ask us to be perfectly capable before saying yes to what's ahead of us. He desires our hearts to be willing to trust him, desire to be used by him and depend on him. And God, who is faithful, followed through on his word to his people and to Moses. As we read on in Exodus, God works and moves through Moses and frees his people from Egypt. And Moses time and time and time again has to rely on God and even God's power in others. And there are a ton of bumps along the way in this story if you read ahead, which I encourage you guys this week to read ahead in Exodus. It's not all smooth sailing. Even after the people are freed, they still are running wild and not thankful for what God is doing. There's a lot of bumps along the way. And but God keeps his promises. He'll be true to his word. Sometimes it isn't how we want it to go or how we think it should go. And but God as sovereign knows what is best. And even further beyond Exodus, the narrative in the whole Bible is that God is the one at work in redeeming and rescuing his people, not just from physical slavery, but slavery within our hearts. So what does this mean today? What does this mean for us today? How are we to live in light of this story? And to put it super simply, but also there's a lot to it, um, this should train us to walk in joyful surrender and worship of God. It should lead us to walk in joyful surrender and worship of who God is. God has revealed himself to us when we surrender to him and then walk in worship of him. So this looks like daily embracing and welcoming sanctification and transformation in our lives. And daily, would we recognize that we are broken, weak, and finite? Would we have a proper view of ourselves and walk in humility? And But do not allow that to cause you to live in hesitation and doubt. Do not make those uh, deficiencies your identity. Instead, choose to go before God knowing that he is great, he is powerful, and he will sustain you. So would we also have a proper view of who God is? Let's lift our eyes off of ourselves in our daunting circumstances and look to God and know that he is good and he is in control. And throughout this whole thing, like I said, welcome and embrace sanctification and transformation. That means do desire growth. We're not just sitting back. This isn't a passive thing. You don't just sit back and, all right, go ahead, God. Like, no, there's still a little bit of work on our parts. Do learn 
Do put forth effort to gain some wisdom. Read your Bible. Take some steps of boldness. But do this all in dependence on God and pursuing his ways, not the world's or what you think is best. And family, God sees you. He sees his children. He has not left you to fend for yourself or rely upon yourself. So if you have put your hope in the gospel and claim Jesus as Lord, you can rest knowing that God is with you for all of your days. God wants your heart and desires for you uh, to be with you for all of your days. God wants your heart. And as we see God use Moses to help rescue the Israelites in the Old Testament, and we today have been set free by Jesus from the bondage of our sin and brokenness and ways of this world. So would you accept that good and glorious news today? Whether for the first time or for the hundredth time, would you accept that? Like I said, I'm not at all throughout this. I'm not saying that all of life is going to be a breeze and that you will never have hardship. Again, keep reading on in Exodus. Moses faces barriers. This world is broken. Those days will come. But you, child of God, have access to God, your Father. You have access to an unshakable foundation, access to the one who knows all, access to the one who will not fail and has no weaknesses. And you no longer have to rely on yourself or the ways of this world. You can cling to God by looking at the life death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, again, let's put forth a lot of effort and work hard in this life and joyfully take on whatever God has ahead of us. Joyfully take that on. Man, but would we not rely on our own power, but instead look at the God who has given us access to his power And so, I say, God, who am I? God, who am I? Who am I to be a husband to a daughter of God? Who am I to lead God's people? Who am I to plant a church in a new place? Who am I to carry the treasure of the gospel in a broken world? Who am I to be a father to a precious little girl? God, who am I? God says, I am who I am and I will be with you. And this isn't just some motivational speech this morning. I'm not just here to try and just build you up. I mean, you guys feel happier. No, this is a matter of life and death. And we can either choose death by choosing ourselves and by relying on what we bring to the table or what the world has to offer or we can choose life that gets to depend on the power of the one who is Lord over all and thus walk in freedom from being weighed down by our brokenness. So family, would we joyfully walk into whatever God has set before us, no matter where, no matter who he sends us to? Would this good news of the gospel stir us to, respect, to repentance of the ways we have lived in pride and lived in doubt? And then would we properly respond to who God is by worshiping him and surrendering our entire lives to him? For he has created, he has sustained, and he will carry you. So we're gonna enter back into worship. 
Take the time you need to if you need to just repent and go before God and recognize, God, you are Lord. If you just need to sit and say that, say, God, you are my God. God, you are Lord. I choose you. If you need to do that, do that. But would we, as God's children, go before the Father in joyful worship and choosing him and responding to this good and glorious news that he is Lord, that he is with us. So let's pray and go into worship to the Lord who is over all.